Yes, hello out there, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of None But the Brave, a part of Evergreen Podcasts. I am Hal Schwartz, and as always, I'm here with my great buddy Flynn McLean. So, Flynn, we're on break, but there's some Bruce <laughs> news to discuss. Yeah, just just as it seems, we were ready to take a little rest here. Uh, Bruce does a little uh, nice little flurry of activity over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> that is for sure. We got an announcement about a no nukes film coming up, which. I know some people are a little disappointed because it seems to put tracks two back in the box, but let's just Again. focus on what is coming. And the no nukes film is, I think very exciting. It's, it's, it's one of the few, if not the only footage I think of Bruce that's complete in the seventies that was actually captured on film, which is important because that'll be a much higher grade source than some of the other stuff we've seen like Tempe or Houston. Uh, okay, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a relatively shorter set. It's not one of their normal normal shows from 78 or, or 1980, which, but it's a nice little a compact show. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, I, I feel bad for people who bought the Nugs releases and didn't download, who just, who just streamed it be, of, of the No Nuke shows because they've lost both of, both of those shows have, have come off the Nugs service. But uh, so I'm hoping though that the audio version or the audio release, and I assume there will be an audio release, will be both shows in their entirety. It sounds like it. Okay. I I hope so. Uh, I I agree that, and this is one of the issues that goes on not only in in music, in our industry, in film. I personally think they should do something for the people who didn't download it. I get it. You're supposed to buy it and download and store it on your own computer or however you store stuff. And in this case, some of the people didn't do it, and now they've lost access to it. Me, it's I don't think it's 100% right. Uh, once you pay for something, in the old days, you bought a CD. Obviously, nobody came to your house and took it from you. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, they'll correct it, and I do think there's going to be an audio release. And it sounds like it's going to be mixed by Bob Clearmouth, and so I'm sure it's going to be much higher quality than what was released via Nugs. Huh, exactly, exactly. And... I thought I that I read correctly that Zimney said that the film was going to be 90 minutes long. I didn't see that, but it sounds about right. Okay. Well, see, that in that case, it would seem to be that it would be one performance of each song that was done across the two nights. So we're, That's what gonna, I would think. Yeah, it's not going to be both shows in their entirety on film. I mean, that would just that would be a three-hour film. Um, but it's, but 90 minutes, one song done over the, over the course of the two nights. You know, you get Stay, you get Detroit Medley, you get Ray Vaughn. That's right there. That's that's a hell of, hell of a release. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into the tech stuff right now. The film was shot on 16 millimeter. I've actually never worked with 16 millimeter. I've shot on Super 16, which is a little different. I'm going to be curious to see the specs on the product that comes out. I assume it's going to be at least HD. I don't know. I have to ask someone who knows more about the tech side if the... Uh, film would yield a decent 4K transfer. Uh, that I honestly don't know. There's also the element today that there's high dynamic range, which is generally represented by either HDR10 or Dolby Vision. The Spring Scene on Broadway's Dolby Vision. The iTunes Western Stars documentary is Dolby Vision. Again, I don't know if 16 millimeter will yield that kind of output, but if it does, it's going to be spectacular. And even if it's just plain HD, and it will definitely be at least HD, it's going to be really good. 
Oh yeah, it's going to be it's it's going to look at least as good as the that film did the no nukes film that we all <laughs> rented from our uh, local video store back in the eighties. You know, at least once a month. Yeah, um, it's going it's going to look at, at least as good as that, and it's, gonna, it's probably going to sound about five times better. And, and I, I should correct myself. I believe the Hammersmith was shot on film as well, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. So those are, I believe, the two sources that are going to be complete from the 70s where the band appears on film. I think the Phoenix stuff was also shot on film, but as we know, they only did six songs. So <laughs> That is true. I mean, of course, it's kind of, it's, I have a difficult time saying it's a complete show because it's, you know, like I said, literally half of what he was playing one year before. I, I get it. But one year later. They took the stage. They walked off the stage. <laughs> if everything every, yes, in between and, is represented in the film, to me, that is that complete show. So that, that that is true. Anyway, let's move on to the other bits of news before we get to the very very scintillating archive. <laughs> uh, we had another from my home to yours. As usual, not too much to say about it, but boy, was it fun! Frat rock, <laughs> and it, it was it was great. Yeah, it sounded like Bruce himself was uh, indulging in some. Uh, and some beer, if not shots. I mean, he was having a hell of a time doing it. And he was rubbed up. <laughs> and it's always it's always fun to be to be reminded that you know there, of the many sides of Bruce Springsteen. You got Bruce the serious songwriter. Uh, you got Bruce the balladeer, the acoustic guy, you got the rock and roll band leader, but in the end, I think it all just comes down to the that fun, the the yeah, yeah, just the fun of that kind of frat rock. Well, that, I think we really know what it's all fun. about. Will you please pull your pants down? <laughs> well, that is true. And that, I think and that is the basis of all of that frat rock. rock. Yes. That's a huge yes, part of is. frat rock. So, and then also we've got news that there's going to be a Renegades, that's the podcast with Obama book. It actually sounds pretty interesting with handwritten lyrics and new pictures. I, of course, listened to the podcast. <laughs> you did not. <laughs> But we'll see what the book is like when it comes out. All right. Well, I, I get the feeling I'm probably going to have a much better shot of reading the book than ever listening to that podcast. All with all due respect to the to the two creators. Well, there. I still say check it out. OK. But one thing we know we're both going to spend a lot of time with and the real reason we're doing this little mini episode is the July archive release, which was August 22nd, 1985 from Giant Stadium. The third show I ever saw. <laughs> I, I saw one show in 84. I saw opening night at Giant Stadium in 85. And then this is four nights later. Uh, an incredible, incredible release. Uh, we had said when we signed off the last time that uh, we did not think they'd hit the heights of Berkeley. I got to say this one, it exceeds it now. Uh, granted, I have an emotional connection because I was there. But this is a spectacular release. Well, I can say I wasn't there, and I was extremely excited to to listen when it came out. It's this is the Bruce that I was obsessed with that summer. Um, you know, I, I, I was first getting into him at the time. I was you know fourteen years old, and this that this show is what 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 captivated me, even if I didn't you know basically know it yet, and it was just big bruce and he was at his his not only his commercial peak but his the cultural peak as well i think that was the that that was the peak of bruceness am i am no, i wrong look, now? Uh, no of course it, he was basically rock and roll at that moment uh, you know there's no other way to put it there was 
He has never been bigger than that moment. We talked about this, when, I think, with Charlie and with Eric when, when we were talking to the Backstreets guys. And it was a moment in time that was very unique. I think it was unique for him. And it, it this release captures it. The, the largeness of <laughs> the sound of the band and the crowd and the reaction. It Yesterday, when I first got it, I started listening to it. And at first, I, I found myself a little detached from it. I, I think I wasn't even processing it properly. And then I, I really, I, I started listening. I jumped around a little bit before going back and listening to the complete show. And I put on Cover Me and it started, it just something in my mind clicked. And I went back to Giant Stadium in that summer when I was, I was 16 when this set of shows took place. There were two more shows 10 days later, I was 17 when those shows took place because my birthday fell in the middle. I got my driver's license. This is, you know, a very key point in, in my life. It's a key point in any person's life at 16, 17. And it just took me back there. And for a moment, I was transported to the giant stadium as a teen. And, and it, it just overwhelmed me. And just listening to this, there something about it. The L.A. show from 85 is also really great. We raved about that. But there's something by then the show had changed mm -hmm. and it has the stand on it and it has Janie and it, it has a bunch of stuff that wasn't played. This is the show that represents 1985. And as you said, when Bruce was by far at the biggest moment of his career. I tweeted about this, but I remember reading in, in Backstreet's magazine and their coverage of Live 75, 85, they were going through all the shows that sourced that box set, and they called the the six the six night stand at Giant Stadium in that that August and September the Super Bowl of Springsteen, and that just that description has stuck with me all these years, and I can't really can't think of a better way to describe it. And as I said, I wasn't there, but the bigness. Everything was large. Everything was big. Yeah. And it, you, I mean, and it really comes through, whether it's the big drums or the big synthesizer, it's it's all there. And and you're right, comparing it to that LA 85 release, it's a little different. It doesn't, it, there, there, yeah, there's something just different. I'm, I'm having a hard time really placing I, I, my Well, part of it is it. that LA is LA, and having lived here for many years now, L.A. has a sort of detachment to it, no matter how big you are, no matter how big the show is. This was Bruce in Giant Stadium in New Jersey with his people <laughs> at the moment that he would never be bigger. And just it represented summer. It represented so much about the Garden State, which he makes reference to in the show numerous times. And, and as we know, he continues to make reference <laughs> to his impact on that, even in Springsteen on Broadway. He elevated the state and and you get it in this show. It, 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 there's something funny about it, because I read someone was complaining there's an air horn that goes off. <laughs> I think it's at the beginning of Trapped. That adds to the authenticity of it. Uh, that that was what was going on in that crowd to me. And I and you know I've always said this. I want the show when it's released to reflect what took place. They really nailed it here. It you can almost it's like Charlie was talking about how the arenas used to smell. 
it's like you almost can capture that. They they mm. captured everything about that moment in time with this release and and just really it's it's tremendous. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are the Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. You want to talk about the audience being part of this show. They are they are there in this re- in this recording. There's even some. Yeah, there was some sh- some somebody was shrieking or screaming at the end of out in the street before the before Johnny 99. Oh, there like, was a lot of shrieking and screaming. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, they, that you know, you cannot say the audience isn't on this recording. It's it's there. They are enhancing it in every single way. Yeah. Um, I really I need to listen to Hungry Heart a little bit more just to, to really feel that. And they are there. <laughs> Al Schiller did a great job. And, and the band has really never sounded better. Now, I know people are going to be like Passaic. I'm talking about just the audio now. Clarence Sax, when it comes in on moments like I'm going down and, and a couple of other points, I, it just it's like lightning. You just feel it. It feels visceral. And again, I, I live this show and I, I have many times tried to remember what it was like being in that stadium as a 16 year old. And again, I have an emotional attachment to it because they nailed it for me and, and they sent me back there. And I wish I was there. And it, it, to a similar extent, I go back to that. It takes me back to that same summer when I was just becoming obsessed with Bruce and <laughs> I, it's kind of hard to describe, but I'm sure a lot of people know what I'm what I'm talking about. And it's such a, I guess, for a lot of us, we kind of slog off the that stadium summer leg because the set looks set lists were so static, or it just he wasn't you know there wasn't the there weren't a lot of rarities, well not a lot of set list nuggets. And yeah. as you were saying, the LA85 has has a few of those. You know, Janie, uh, stand on it in war, but with it, this show doesn't need that. And, no, it doesn't. You know, and the show is current. If you judge that show the way I, I judge current shows, which is how many songs off the new album is did he play? How many songs did he not play on the last tour that he played tonight? All that kind of stuff. You know, he played 10 of 12 songs off the new album. It's Plus, funny that you bring that up because I was going to bring that up too. It almost in a way was like his dream because we know he always wants to feature his new material. And of course he'll never have new material that registers with the public, <laughs> like born in the USA. That's impossible. Uh, it's uh, sort of miraculous that it happened the first time, but he went with it and, and relying on that new material, which now he did have seven top 10 hits. So it's not like the crowd was sitting there and he was playing obscurities as you're pointing out. But he he wrote that new material and he put together a show. You listen to it now, 36 years later, it's really compelling. Uh, you know, I think artistically, perhaps we haven't given these shows enough credit over the years. Probably not. And that's probably because we the recordings from that leg have really not exactly been, you know, top notch. There have been very few, very few recordings from that summer that are really worth listening to over. I think the, the Chicago, no, the, is it Chicago or Cleveland? 
Uh, oh, it's must be Chicago because Night at the Soldier Field. That was that yeah, was a good I, one. I've never really listened to many '85 shows except for some of the Giant Stadium shows that I was at, and they were never great. And of course, there were some quality tapes from LA, but I, I've never been a big listener to this leg of the tour. And I'm going to listen to this one a lot. I listened to LA '85 a lot when it came out too, and uh, just again, uh, really a great listen. Well, I'm going to go back to the. To the kind of like the set list stats that I, would, that I was kind of going with. I mean, not only were there 10 songs from the new album, but there were two from Nebraska. And then you had in an unreleased song at the time called called Seeds. And, you know, that's I mean, that's half the show right there. And, and besides Pink Cadillac. That's right. Pink Cadillac. He, he was taking some risks then. And but it was he had a he had a safety net. It was called, you know, being on top of the world. <laughs> yes. He did. And I, I think we were supposed to do like seven or eight minutes. I think we're at like 15 now, but that's what happens <laughs> talking about this. And it's just that that's how good the release is. I mean, we we could talk a lot about it, but I, I think we should wrap it up now. And uh, do you have any final thoughts on on the New Jersey release? Yeah. One more thing. We don't talk about his guitar playing on that tour very much. Oh, yeah. That's actually a good a, point. There's a lot of it on, on, on this show. I mean, Born in the USA and Cover Me. And I'm going down. I mean, he was he was really wailing at this show, yeah. and that's something that I wasn't expecting. Cover me uh, was really a, a revelation. Listening to, as I said, it just it, something about that song when I listened to it yesterday, I sort of snapped into another time. And uh, there's been some discussion about the the uh, photo that represents the cover for the archive release. People were doubting that it was taken in New Jersey because he's wearing a leather jacket and it was very hot those nights, but we have confirmed there is video from August 22nd on YouTube. You can check <laughs> it out. He was wearing the jacket on cover me. And if I recall properly, he actually wore that jacket on cover me every night. It was sort of a prop and he would toss it to the side. I think when dancing started. Oh, interesting. I wonder yeah. why he did that. The, the show was very choreographed. There's no question mm -hmm. about it. And I think that it was the first time he was playing shows, of course, that, that were that big. And at the time, I think the choreography turned off some of the older fans. But again, you know, just wrapping up here, you listen to it now and you listen to what took place on that night. And it just doesn't matter. I mean, the show was that good. Oh, it was all that and a bag of chips. <laughs> How's that? Uh, yes, for sure. I'll go with that. And with that, we're going to end our discussion of this wonderful archive. Keep listening to it. We're going to keep listening to it. And, and now we can wait for the August archive. Which could be here in like, what, two weeks if they actually get back to the first Friday schedule. But I'm going to guess that it be it winds up delayed, but let's see. That's yeah, probably so. But hey, it just leaves us more time with with, with Giant Stadium. Yes. So anyway, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to come back when they do release the August archive and and we'll have our thoughts on that one. If any other news breaks, we'll cover that, too, although it seems at this point that the next major news will be the no nukes press release, which they said is coming in September. Yeah, they, I like how they announced that an announcement is coming. I think they had a cover for the fact that it was pulled off of nugs. That was, you know, getting a lot of talk on back streets and some other places. I guess so. Good point. Sometimes when there when there's so much discussion of about of something that hasn't been announced yet, they feel the need to say something. With that, we'll wrap up. 
None But the Brave is a presentation of Bull Market Entertainment, and we're a part of Evergreen Podcasts. If you want to interact with us, please find us on Twitter at NBTB Podcast. Our website is nonebutthebravepodcast.com. So for Hal Schwartz, I'm Flo McLean saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons. Oh, yeah, can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place, the sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.